1: Welcome to the Rotowire Daily Fantasy Podcast, sponsored by FantasyDraft.com, where every day is game day. All right, it is Friday, December 11th, of course, the year 2015. Nick Whalen here, as I always am, with Chris Benzine uh, on this Friday afternoon. Chris, we're going to go through and talk about the top value plays at each position. This week, we're going to be using DraftKings values. I know in the past, we, we've kind of jumped around, you know, trying to... To kind of dip our hand, I guess, in in multiple sites, uh, we we've used fantasydrafts.com's values uh, in the past. They, of course, have a hundred thousand dollar salary cap, uh, so it's a little bit different. Obviously, the values are a little bit inflated there, but we'll go with DraftKings values today, just to kind of keep things a little more consistent with that that smaller cap. Um, but first, I want to ask you. I mean, I think we both watched the the Vikings Cardinals game last night. Um, I know you, as as a Packers fan, were probably happy with this result. You know, kind of allowing Green Bay to to get a little bit of a cushion, a little bit of breathing room in the division, especially if they're able to beat Dallas this week. Um, but that final play, uh, Minnesota was able to drive. You know, they took over. Teddy Bridgewater and company took over with a minute twenty-ish left at, at their own twenty. They get all the way down into Arizona territory. It's second and ten at the Arizona thirty-one. Bridgewater uh, looking for Jarius Wright misses him uh it's third and 10 then 13 seconds remaining Bridgewater gets sacked there's a strip Arizona recovers basically game over at that point if you're Mike Zimmer and the Vikings do you kick it there on third down with 13 seconds left or do you try to do what we think they were trying to do and you know maybe get five or ten more yards with a quick out
2: I mean I guess it seems like they didn't have a lot of faith in Blair Walsh that might, might be the case and that's why they're just like we'll just give him a little more room get get him a little more manageable field goal range but uh Dwight Freeney who didn't play much of the game at all finally just he was in the game late and he made an impact at a crucial time and it was a bad decision it turns out to be a bad decision everyone now in retrospect questions whether or not they should have thrown the ball in third down and and he also uh definitely you need to throw that ball away or get rid of find some way to get rid right was well, it
1: more on Bridgewater or do you think or more on Zimmer for the play call
2: I think it's a combo of the two I mean I, I, obviously, I think it's not a terrible play call, but as I think as a quarterback you got to know, and as a coach you have to be telling your quarterback, and he has to know coming in that you have to get rid of that ball somehow. You ha- you cannot hold on to that right. ball. You cannot take a sack. This is the only thing you can't do. Exactly. And the
1: thing, you know, the strip and recovery by Arizona is kind of a footnote at this point because you know bridgewater goes down with what six or seven seconds left no timeouts for minnesota i mean there wasn't going to be time to set up a field goal anyway probably not even time to set up a spike uh so you know the the fumble is nice the recovery is nice but it probably wouldn't have mattered either way i i think i like the play call with 13 seconds left you know it's not like they did this with six seconds left you know 13 seconds is plenty of time you would think you know even if even if a receiver gets dragged down in bounds you know that the offense would hopefully be ready to, to to go down and spike it but you know you're down three at this point you're at the 31 which you know certainly isn't the red zone but it's close enough that you could at least conceivably uh either try to rip off a big gain and get right to the end zone or at least get close enough that you can maybe take one shot at the end zone to try and win it in regulation probably don't want to go into overtime at home uh or excuse me on the road Uh, in Arizona against a a great Cardinals offense so I think that was maybe part of the thinking but yeah either way a tough way for that one to end Minnesota played them a little bit more closely than I thought um you know this was a team that looked really really good heading into that Green Bay game a few weeks ago then they kind of get blown out by by the Packers and it looked like maybe that early season success was you know maybe a bit of a smokescreen but I thought you know barring the end result of the game I, I was pretty impressed with what I saw from Minnesota overall
2: yeah I mean they uh they got blown out by the Seahawks last week as well. Right. That was another one. So yep. they, they seem to like they kinda came back. You there's two ways you can generally go from that is you can go just fall out or you can they can turn the course of your season in a bad direction or you can fight back and make sure you're still, you know, fight. there's and they're still within fighting distance for they're still in a playoff spot even after losing yeah. that game. So that doesn't really hurt a ton, but it definitely puts them in a little worse position like in terms of the division, as a Packers fan, I was trying to go through the scenarios in my head of like, what's the best scenario? Do we want the Cardinals to to lose, then the Packers could get the seat or the playoff bye. But from what I what I came up with, it seems like the best scenario was for the Cardinals to actually win that game for us. So I'm pretty happy. With yeah, I all. think Green
1: you know. Bay has kind of kissed the the hopes of that first round buy. uh kissed that goodbye, but. You know, you look at Minnesota now, they are still technically in the playoff picture right now, but if Seattle wins, um, you know, this weekend, they're both eight and five and Seattle holds the tie break there uh, for that first wild card spot uh tampa bay still lurking atlanta still lurking at six and six i I I don't know if lurking is the right word for atlanta i mean the way that they've completely fallen off these last few weeks but yeah i mean it looks like it's going to be you know minnesota versus seattle for that last wild card spot you know unless one of those nfc south teams is able to make some noise i mean is there anybody in the nfc east that you think could get hot over these last few weeks i mean i think you look at this division top to bottom and three teams tied at five and seven i mean it would It would take some serious – they would need some serious help from either Minnesota or Seattle, and it would take what would look like right now to be a pretty improbable run over these last four weeks.
2: Yeah, I don't think any NFC East team has really a chance at a a wild card spot, but they're going to have – the division winner is obviously in by default, so just whoever – I mean, it would take a lot. None of these teams look like they're actually going to have any chance in the playoffs, but, I mean – I would say I don't think Romo is going to be back, he's not going to be no, back he's not gonna be back. So he, I mean, if with Romo, the Cowboys would be somewhat of a formidable opponent, you'd think, but uh, that just don't have enough there. The Eagles, they beat the Patriots last week, but the, I mean, the Patriots were without two of their top two of their top targets with right. uh, Julian Edelman and Gronk. So there's just uh, yeah, there's nothing really in that division. Just a mess in general, and there's nobody that really sticks out as a team that I think he could contend for a Super Bowl.
1: No, no, not at all. I think, I think the Redskins kind of fancy themselves maybe the best contender of the group, but uh, way too many flaws, I think, on both sides of the ball for all four of these teams. But we'll get into our values for this weekend, some of the value plays that we like, again, using DraftKings values. One guy, of course, I like. Uh, this probably won't surprise you at all, Chris, or, or anybody who's listened consistently to, to any of our football podcasts, Blake Bortles. Still priced a little bit low uh, for my liking at 6,000 going up against Indianapolis. That's not a very good pass defense. Um, you know, obviously, he's coming off of a game, five touchdowns against what's another bad pass defense in Tennessee. Um, do you like him at 6,000, or are you willing to maybe trust Matt Hasselbeck, who's 4 1 as the starter? You can save 800 bucks and grab him at 5,200, and you know, he's going up against a Jacksonville D that's pretty uninspiring itself.
2: I think I would go just the fact that Bortles at home and he's been pretty good. A really
1: great good home field advantage in yeah. Jacksonville. Not,
2: yeah, there's definitely – they they really show out, uh, turn out in droves in yeah. Jacksonville for their yeah. team. But, uh, no, I mean, Blake Bortles has proven to be really good recently. The emergence of uh, Allen Robinson as an elite wide receiver certainly has helped him. Uh, is Allen Hearns expected? Bortles? Hearns is back. Hearns is going to play. So that's definitely another – a uh, bonus for him. They still have, they have Julius Thomas healthy. They have all they have some. The weapons, weapons are on. there. Yeah, they, their weapons are honestly right up there. Yeah, too. So I mean, they got some. They right. got some decent guys you'd, they can throw to. And if you're looking at the two offenses, which team would you rather quarterback right now? I you could argue. I mean, I think, I think you could argue That Jacksonville would be the two of those teams right. that you'd you'd like to
1: have. There's there's some issues up front with the line in Jacksonville, but these are. Easily the best set of weapons, you know, that they've had probably since the mid 2000s, when you're, you know, back in the Jimmy Smith, Keenan McCardell, Fred Taylor days. You know, T.J. Yeldon's not Fred Taylor by any means, but he's certainly their most productive and consistent back since the the Jones-Drew glory years of a few years ago. So, I mean, the defense obviously is an issue. You'd like to think if you score 39 points on the Titans, uh, that would result in a win, but when you miss two extra points and and fail to convert a two-point conversion I guess that's what happens but I I don't think Blake Bortles is going to go for five touchdowns again I think that goes without saying but I mean he's a guy that's consistently been putting up two three four touchdowns you know due in part to the fact that they're often either in shootouts or playing from behind so he's getting a ton of attempts and he just does have these these really really nice weapons on the edge Allen Robinson we'll talk about uh, when we get to wide receivers but I think he's been huge for the success of Bortles and uh, last week that that five touchdown performance helped him and I, this is just sad that i even have to say this but shattered the single season record for for touch for th- uh, passing touchdowns in jaguars history i think it was Gerard held the record at 23 or 24 and bortles is up to 27 so watch out yeah um who else do you like and and the we'll kind of talk about the mid-tier guys somewhere you know maybe between 5000 and 6, one guy i like is james winston going up against that horrendous Uh, Saints pass defense. Um, I know Ryan Tannehill and Brock Osweiler are two guys that you want to talk about.
2: Yeah I mean Tannehill he's he's had a little down spell recently but
1: uh, he's facing a nice matchup
2: with a Giants defense that's just been atrocious against the pass this season. I mean he only threw 19 passes last week against Baltimore so you're not going to expect a ton. The week before against the Jets he went for uh, he went for 350 yards and three touchdowns and that was a Jets defense that's generally looked at as pretty good against the pass so I, I could see him having another big week against uh, against a Giants defense that has been giving up a lot of passing yards per game this season. They're among the lowest in the league. They're giving up, in fact, the thirtieth most points to fantasy quarter- or to quarterbacks in the DraftKings format. So I mean, this is a really a good matchup for him to, especially to. He'll probably want to bounce back after he was going against a Ravens defense last week. And not that the Ravens are generally bad, but this year they haven't been good and it's kind of surprising that given the way that they've been playing that he didn't really do much but uh I I just feel like it's gonna be a good bounce back week for him there at home against the Giants and he's a guy it's a nice price at 5200 there he's priced lower than Matt Hasselbeck who I think could also have a decent week like you said against the the Jaguars who gave up 42 points to the Titans last week so I could see those two having a nice week and uh He's a guy. He's one of the guys I would be targeting in the daily format, along with um, Osweiler. He's facing Oakland, who's also been pretty bad. I mean, there's this is probably the week where it might be worth just going value play at quarterback. There's there's the top most of the top options are facing some tough matchups this week. So I feel like if there's a week you're just gonna go and kind of somewhat punt the quarterback. Position. Right.
1: Well, you look at some of the top values on DraftKings. Tom Brady's at number one at 7,800. Um, going up against a Houston defense that's been a lot better of late. The bigger thing for me is just the, the lack of weapons, you know, and and Amendola uh, and Edelman and Gronkowski. Everybody's banged up for this team. You know, they're they're kind of scraping the bottom of the depth chart. I think that's what hurts his value more than the defense. He's going up against Cam Newton goes up against an Atlanta pass defense that's been much better this season. Aaron Rodgers goes up against a good Dallas pass defense. Drew Brees against Tampa Bay, I like, but we've kind of seen it's been feast or famine really for this New Orleans offense. So, you know, he's a guy that can give you five touchdowns, or he might just completely bomb and and you know kind of nuke your lineup. Ben Roethlisberger rounds out the top five as far as highest price quarterbacks, and he goes up against a very good Cincinnati defense. So, if you're looking at Roethlisberger or Andy Dalton, and again they're matching up this week in an AFC North battle who do you ride with? Roethlisberger's at 6,800, Andy Dalton's at 6,600. If you had to choose between those two, Chris, who would you like?
2: Uh, I think I would give a slight edge to Andy Dalton, probably, just because he's got, uh, the, the Pittsburgh defense hasn't been as good against it, and it looks like Tyler Eifert's going to be back this week, so that's nice for him. He'll have, he'll have, enough, the the two biggest weapons in his offense have always been, or have been, A.J. Green and Tyler Eifert this season, so Having Eifert back in there is another is a nice weapon for Andy Dalton to have, and uh, I mean Roethlisberger he's he's been pretty good, but he seems like he's still maybe a little banged up from the injury that he suffered a while ago, and he's uh, I mean last week he exploded, so it's, it's right. it was like it 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 it's just I don't see that happening again. Indianapolis's defense is pretty porous, so that was uh, a, probably a big reason behind what the just explosion. He has been really good overall, so. Um, it's not. It, I don't know. I, I feel like at home against a, a division rival is always tougher to play. I mean, at, on the road, I mean, against the it's probably is it's tougher to put up bigger numbers. And the Bengals defense has been very good this season against the pass. So I, if I was given an edge, there's not much of a difference in price between the two. So if I was given an edge to one of these two, I think I would go with Dalton. But he also probably will have a larger ownership. I think of the two if you're choosing between the two so if you're looking to chance a little more maybe go with Roethlisberger just because of that high ceiling that he can have they have a lot of weapons there so they do but um yeah I think if you're going to safe play Dalton's more of a safe guy in this. all right
1: real quickly Johnny Manziel uh, a guy who I think will probably find his way into quite a few lineups just because uh, he's Johnny Manziel he's down minimum priced at 5,000 um I mean is there any chance that you're going to roll with him in, in lineups this week
2: I think there's a chance just because he has a nice matchup with the 49ers. and he's he's a guy that runs the ball, which is big for quarterbacks. So you w- you want guys that can run, that gives you the opportunity there. And he was actually really good in his last start against the Steelers. He threw for uh, 372 yards, rushed for another not just 17, but still that's some rushing yards there. And he can rush, he can run the ball, and uh, I mean he hasn't thrown a lot of touchdown passes. There aren't a lot, a ton of weapons in. Cleveland, obviously, but uh, and especially I think Travis Benjamin's down uh, now as well, so they're without him. I mean, they're they don't have a ton of weapons for him, but I mean, Johnny Manziel has made some magic, and he's a guy. If you're going minimum priced, I think it's probably better to look elsewhere. But if you're looking for a guy that I mean, kind of chancey, he might have a chance to do pretty well against the San Francisco defense. So if you want to risk it, I mean, he's a guy that you could go with if. if you don't have any money you're just looking to fill out the roster at the end if you're looking to completely punt the quarterback position at five g's i think he's a decent option
1: yeah i think i think it's a fun option you know if you're gonna if you're going to punt the quarterback spot and it's like you know do I want to ride with jimmy clausen or, or another low price guy you know having manziel in your lineup at least you know kind of spices things up a little bit let's move to the running back position eddie Lacey is the first guy i want to ask you about and he's somebody that we've talked about quite a bit and you know, of course, he's been in the news quite a bit around Green Bay just because of the change in his role, the the drastic swings in his workload that we've seen this season. He's at 4,700 this week. Do you trust him whatsoever?
2: I mean, I think part of the reason last week he didn't do a ton was because he had the he had a curfew issue, and that, um, that held him off the field a lot. The other guy that was off the – I can't remember the name, but the other running back that was – Crockett? No, he wasn't – he's the one that played. But oh, yeah, right. They actually released – uh alonzo harris i believe mm-hmm. because he was also having So i mean these two were were being disciplined obviously lacy a little less than uh alonzo harris but uh i i feel like lacy should be a bigger part of the offense this week however i think james starks is still the starter at this point and they're facing dallas i mean dallas has been pretty bad against the run but I just don't know if I could trust Eddie Lacy. He is at forty seven hundred, so that's a decent option. And if he he's does, still priced
0: above
1: James Starks, though, yeah, I think. Do you think, you know, this isn't? I wouldn't say like being deceptive, but is this DraftKings kind of maybe, you know, taking advantage of the? There's still the perception that Eddie Lacy is you know the bigger name, the a you know, guy who was a first round pick in most season long leagues. I think, I think his name carries a little bit more weight, and that can kind of justify a higher price.
2: Well, I think it's also the fact that he's had a couple hundred yard games in the last. right he's looked good when he's had the opportunities of late at least yeah i mean starks even when he had opportunity he hasn't done a ton he's had some receptions which is nice so that's at least giving you some points but uh eddie Lacey's the guy that i mean he's a guy that can go off if given the opportunity so i i wouldn't be surprised if he's at least a decent part of the uh offense again this week and i could see a decent week from him and he is at 4700 so if there's a guy willing to if you want to risk it around that price range that's a that's a decent option there at that price despite the fact that he he had like I think four carries last
1: week or right uh, four so. carries for five yards or five carries for four yards something like that yeah. I think it's to the point where you know obviously the discipline thing has to be handled internally and it was last week can Green Bay really afford to keep to keep that up though that's the thing you know it's um you know like at some point they kind of have to leverage like you know these, these are getting close to you. if they want to win this division they they just can't be dropping games to bad teams like they have over the last four or five weeks and you know, if if it comes down to it, I think you know at some point the Packers and and Mike McCarthy maybe need to swallow their pride a little bit and say, you know, if this guy whether this guy violated probation or not, whether or not he's been a little bit of a curfew, I should say, not probation, whether or not he's been a little bit of a problem off the field this season, at some point you just got to run him, you know, and and I think as well as he's looked or as good as he's looked two of the last three games when he's actually you know received a starter's workload, I think he's kind of earned the right to at least. You know, have a chance to to take this job back from James Starks.
2: Yeah, I mean, he early on in the season he had like an ankle issue that kind of limited him, so he didn't look like himself either. So there was definitely a good reason for that. And I understand having that curfew issue punishing him for one week, and he didn't. I mean, I, I but I just don't see it being a long term thing. They they know how good he is, and they want to get him on the field help when he's healthy. So I I think he'll have another big workload this week. So and and he's facing a nice matchup. So especially at that 4700 price tag, that might be a decent option if you're looking for a value running back.
1: So what about Thomas Rawls? He's at 5,800 this week, coming off of a 101-yard performance against Minnesota, at 81 yards on 21 carries two weeks ago against Pittsburgh, and then that 209-yard performance, that monster game uh, in, in his first game, starting for Marshawn Lynch in Week 11 against San Francisco. I like him quite a bit this week. Uh, I, I think the, the Baltimore defense is a little bit decimated i think this is a team that that's a little bit down on his luck at this point they've been they've been good you know the credit goes to that baltimore defense for kind of picking up uh the slack that that this offense just really hasn't been able to produce many points this season obviously a lot of injuries but do you like Rawls or are you going to try to avoid this this notorious baltimore defense
2: i mean it's tough to ignore Rawls, especially i mean he's not extreme extremely highly priced or anything so he's he's at a reasonable range there and he's been undeniably good filling in for uh, Marshawn Lynch. He's able to catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield at three grabs last week, three grabs against San Francisco three weeks ago. He, he's rushed for nearly 100 yards in every game, and he's had a touchdown in to each of the last three. I mean, it's tough to deny. And and they're playing really well right now, and they should be ahead. You, you look at the teams that are playing, you think the Baltimore offense can't really do much right now. They don't really have anything going for them. Uh, No Joe Flacco. Matt Schaub is leading that team. So the Seahawks should be able to get ahead in this game. And in the second half, I could see a fair amount of Rawls being part of the game plan there. So that's a guy, like you mentioned, he's a decent option, I think, and a guy that I might target in some of my lineups as well.
1: Jonathan Stewart, I know, is another guy that you like. He's at 5,800, quietly having one of the better years of anybody around football. I mean, top five in yardage has kind of been right up there with Adrian Peterson and and guys like Doug Martin. 82 yards and a touchdown last week against New Orleans. How do you like this matchup with the Atlanta defense? Yeah, the Atlanta
2: defense, I mean, while they have been good against the pass, they've been pretty bad against the run. So I could see him and Cam Newton both taking a lot of, having a fair amount of carries in the ground this game. Um, But like you said, the Jonathan Stewart, much like the Panthers in general, they kind of flown under the radar. They weren't really much talked about until recently. The Panthers kind of just, once the Patriots lost, then the, the shift, the focus turned to the Panthers. But they've quietly had a terrific season all around, and, and now it's not as quiet. Well, it's anymore. been so much but, about
1: Cam, and yeah, I mean you know, nothing. NBA, not to take NBA anything away from him, I mean he's yeah. been he's been phenomenal. But yeah, I mean the running game has been great. Greg Olson's been great. The defense has been a big part of what I, what they've been able to do. Um, but yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think Jonathan Stewart against the Atlanta defense is a nice matchup. Matt Jones, he's at thirty six hundred, so just six hundred above minimum price. Had eighteen carries last game against Dallas, just forty nine yards. Uh, did have one reception. Is he a guy that you're maybe willing to throw kind of a hail mary pick at just because we've seen what he can do early in the season? You know, it when he did most of his work. Uh, had that big game against St. Louis that that, that kind of made him a must grab on the waiver wire for a couple weeks. Things have slowed down considerably. Alfred Morris kind of, kind of taking the reins of that job back. But I think if you're looking in this price range, Matt Jones has about as much upside as anybody.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Matt Jones has done a lot with a little so far this season. I mean, he hadn't really seen a big workload uh, up to this point, and then finally last week. I mean, he's he's done most of his damage in the receiving game. So I mean, that's like this big, a biggest part of, or a bigger portion of his game. But he finally got 18 carries last week, and if he can. I, i think he'll still be a part of it and he's facing chicago defense decent matchup um and i think he's still be a good part of that offense there and he may not get as many carries as last week but um just he's a guy like you said he's a guy you can throw a flyer out there for he's a guy that you can take a chance on and i mean I, i could see him getting more more in the receiving game again this week but uh even if he does get a few carries, I could see him getting a big and getting in the end zone is a big thing and he's been able to do that a few times this season. So if you're looking around that bottom price range there, that's a decent option. Uh, another guy I like is uh Tim Hightower. He's at minimum price. Uh now that uh now that Mark Ingram is out for the season, has been ruled out for the season, placed on IR, um I could see him getting the big I mean he's expected to get the big workload there. The the lion's share of the carries. For some reason, I mean, he's facing a defense that gives up the eighth fewest points to running backs. But like I said, you're you're paying minimum price at that range. So if you're getting a guy that will see a good number of carries, pretty much almost guaranteed. And he's not. You still have CJ Spiller back there in the backfield, but uh, it seems like for some reason the Saints don't like him as much either. Because even when uh, Ingram was hurt earlier in the season, he didn't get a ton of carries. Kyrie Robinson took that role. He's kind of just stayed in his more receiving receiving down back role there and spiller i mean he's been he's been disappointing fantasy owners for years he's been he's had promise and never really came to fruition but uh i could see like if you're looking for a value play right around the bottom there tim hightower at three thousand minimum price that's about as good as it gets i think especially when you have an expected workload that's pretty high
1: Mm mm-hmm All right, we'll talk receivers and tight ends in just a minute, but first a quick word from Fantasy Draft. They do sponsor the podcast. Fantasy Draft's flexible lineup format gives you the freedom to choose the players that you love to watch. They have a larger payout zone, which means more chances for you to win. At least 25% of competitors win in even their largest guaranteed contest. It's much more of a level playing field. You don't have to worry about competing against the same player who puts in hundreds of entries, uh, never more than 20 entries per user per contest. So a little bit more, again, of of an even playing field. You're not just able to kind of pump a bunch of money in and, and stack the deck. You can put yourself in the best position to win. Great value in the contest. Again, more of your entry fee goes directly to that payout zone, at least 25% of competitors win in the largest guaranteed contest. So head on over to fantasydraft.com today. You can find out more about how they put the players first because they set a low entry cap. Again, that's fantasydraft.com. All right, Chris, let's get into the wide receivers. And we started with the Jaguar at the top of the podcast with the quarterbacks. going to go back to the Jaguars with wide receivers Allen Robinson moving into the top five uh, in terms of wide receiver pricing this week. He's at 8,000, going up against a pretty bad Indianapolis pass defense, over under five touchdowns for Allen Robinson this week.
2: I think I might (laughs) take the under in that, it's it's close. It's a tough one. You know, I have to think
1: about it. No, no, of course I'm joking, but I mean, coming off three touchdowns last week, um, you know, a guy who's been really, really, really productive this season in what's been a, a pretty bad season for the Jaguars, you know, a team that... Most people don't pay a lot of attention to nationally, but I think he kind of broke onto the scene, uh, onto the national scene. That is last week with that three touchdown performance. They get Alan Hearns back, like we mentioned earlier. He's at fifty five hundred after missing last week with with the uh, I think he had a concussion. He had an ankle injury, a hamstring injury. It's a bunch of injuries that have kind of accumulated over the season. But you know, I think the absence of Hearn la- Hearns, is I should say, last week ended up helping Alan Robinson. I mean, he saw a ton of targets. The thing about about Robinson is you know he's such a physical receiver that. You know, three or four of his catches per game seem to be kind of fifty fifty balls that Blake Bortles just, just throws up for him and, and he seems to come down with them more often than not. So I'm not expecting another three touchdown game, maybe not even a two touchdown game. I think uh the attention is gonna be firmly on him from that Indianapolis uh secondary. But I still think at eight thousand dollars if you don't wanna pay up for ODB or Antonio Brown. You know Robinson is going to be a very favorable, a very favorable choice this week. My only concern is he might have high ownership coming off of that big game. You know, you see that he's going up against the twenty twenty ninth ranked pass defense in the league. I think that's going to lead to to a very high ownership share for him.
2: Yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. I mean, he's still at a decent price there, and uh, he's got a nice matchup, like you said, and he's got a great quarterback with Blake Bortles throwing his way. So if I'm looking at uh, I mean he's he's a good option around that price range for sure but uh like you said in tournament format might not be as as worth a pick as you're looking at and if you're going like a 50-50 maybe because not um because of the fact that he'll have high ownership so there's a chance that you could probably go with somebody else that might have a little lower ownership and that will have a, another nice day as well and if you if that's the case I mean you you could chance it elsewhere looking uh looking to pick up on a guy that have lower ownership but that, and then hope that Allen Robinson doesn't produce as expected going into the game. So I could see him being a guy that while it's it's worth picking in a 50-50 format because you think he's going to do really well, it might be a guy you might shy away from in a tournament just in case on the off chance that he doesn't do well, then you can take advantage of that and go with somebody else that might have a little lower ownership.
1: Yeah, we mentioned Alan Hearns again at fifty five hundred. I do like him quite a bit in what's been this very productive Jaguars passing offense. Do you like AJ Green as kind of an obvious play against what's been a very shaky Steelers past D? I
2: mean, he was he was definitely the biggest beneficiary last week when uh Tyler Eifert wasn't available. He was a big red zone target for him. I mean, he is a big red zone target regardless. AJ Green has like some has the height to be a, a good receiver or obviously he's a good receiver. I mean sorry, he has the height to be a big red zone target. A lot of receivers are a little you know not, not as tall, but he's he's um one of the taller receivers out there. He's not necessarily fast, but he's kinda quick and he's a guy that he can you can throw to him in the red zone and that probably could still be the case this week, although it might not be as much now that you have Eifert back. He's he's their biggest red zone target generally, so there there might be a little less touchdown opportunity. Like last week I believe AJ Green he only ended up with one but he was down i believe inside the one or something like that on another catch mm-hmm. that nearly was a touchdown that ended up being a jeremy hill which i was i was rooting for actually i, I kind of thought that he would be the a guy to have a chance with the, the red zone carries with eifert out and that ended up being the case so that was nice but um you were just a fantasy genius Chris. oh yeah thank you <laughs> i know no it definitely definitely a lot of things yeah just but um yeah, I, I see the AJ Green have another decent week this week even despite having him back and uh like you said Andy Dalton at home. It could be a competitive game, probably keep it close. I think close. it'll be this is
1: going to be probably the game of the week on paper at least, right?
2: Yeah, I think that's a, one of the best games this week from when you look at the other options around the
1: league. Uh I, don't I mean see Detroit St. Louis, or... uh Washington Chicago, I don't know. Yeah uh Dallas Green Bay you know if if Dallas was healthy would have been a lot of fun but no I I think I mean Atlanta Carolina will be interesting just because it's a it's a division battle and you know we still are kind of holding out hope that this Atlanta offense didn't forget how to play football um but no I think I think this game is clearly clearly the best of the weekend Mike Evans 7,200 going up against New Orleans. I like quite a bit. I like Sammy Watkins at 6,100 uh, going up against Philadelphia. He's got 267 yards and three touchdowns over his last two games, and still priced just above six thousand.
2: Yeah, I think what might
1: play into that is the fact that
2: he only had three catches last week, so he's really he's I a guess. On the, but he, but yeah, he's a huge. He's there like he's kind of putting threat.
1: up putting up like Deshaun Jackson type of type yeah. of catches to yardage totals. But I mean, going up against the worst pass defense in the league in Philadelphia. It almost seems like too obvious of a play, maybe, but I mean, I'm not going to bet against this guy.
2: No, yeah, I think that was one guy I was targeting as well. Because I mean, just Sammy Watkins, he's exploded recently, and he's the guy that has the ability to explode. There was a reason he was taken so highly in the draft. I mean, uh, I, and when we're looking at that price range too, you got a nice value there at 6,100 when you're looking at the prices of some of the top tier guys. He's priced like a mid range guy, so. He's another guy I'm looking at, along with uh, Jarvis Landry for the Dolphins. He's going against uh, like the Giants' defense. Might be a nice guy if you're going to go with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. He's probably the the guy you want to pair with him, and he's actually nicely priced at 6,300. They didn't go up there. I mean, another guy kind of like is Brandon Cooks, but he's dealing with a concussion right now, so it's a, it's questionable whether or not he's going to actually play in the game. So if he doesn't end up playing, obviously you don't want to take him. But uh, if he's playing, I. Think feel like that, that Bucks defense, you got Breeze there. He's a guy that's gonna be like much like the Saints offense has been this year, feast or famine type of guy. But if you're going in a tournament format, that's kinda what you want. You want a guy that can explode. And he's a decent price also. He's sitting right at sixty two hundred. So if we're looking in that price range, those are probably the three guys that I like this week. If we're looking a little more value guys, but uh not but not like bottom dollar. So these are more of the mid range guys that so he's one of those guys I would target that range.
1: All right, let's move to the tight end spot real quick as we wrap up. Even if Rob Gronkowski plays, he's a top-priced tight end this week, as he's been every week. Do you think he'll be too limited physically against what's been a pretty good Houston defense to to take a chance on?
2: I think you might want to wait a week or so on him. I mean, he's definitely – he's coming one week, one week absence, and he's questionable coming in. Uh, and Scott Chandler played pretty well in his absence, so – I, obviously the the Patriots in general struggled so they probably want to get him out there if at all possible. But they they might even get him out there in even if he's not hundred percent healthy and that's probably going to be the case. So you might I, if you're playing him in season long leagues, that's obviously one thing. It's you you pretty much have to start him. I mean, you you there's the options at tight end are probably not very good otherwise, but if you're looking in the daily format where you can choose any tight end that's when you pretty much, I, I feel like it's there's better values out there if you're looking for a tight end. and Even the top-tier price guys, you have Greg Olson, who's been the top target of Cam Newton all season long, and you have Eifert coming back, facing a decent matchup, red zone guy, potential for touchdowns. I mean, you have some, some nice names at the top that I think you might be more worth the money that, than uh, Rob Gronkowski.
1: I like Gary Barnage, a guy who just signed an extension earlier this week at five thousand. They got him for a discount too. I think it was three for twelve million, or three years for twelve million. Which I mean, think the kind of production that that he's been able to give them this year seems like a discount. Although he is uh, maybe not as young as as he would seem. Eric Ebron, I like down at minimum salary, or near minimum value, I should say. He's at three thousand. I think he's probably if you're looking at an upside kind of tournament play in, in that range. Uh, I, I do like him there. That said, kind of an underwhelming week, I guess. You know, in in the tight end, in the tight end position, is there anybody else that really kind of stands out? This is another position, you know, we talked about with quarterbacks, a lot of tough matchups. You look at, you know, the top eight priced tight ends on DraftKings, and you know, five of the eight are going up against top ten defenses.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do like your discussion of uh, Eric Ebron. I've always been a fan of his. I don't think he's he's got talent.
1: So he's, he's a guy that I think. Yeah, I think if they unleash him correctly, he's he could be a future star. Yeah.
2: He's been, he's a guy that may not put up a ton of receptions, but one of them can be like, he scores a fair amount of touchdowns. And if that's the, I mean, if he gets in the end zone that and you're paying a minimum price for him, it's well worth it because you're spending your money elsewhere. Um, You have Kobe Fleener going against the Jaguars. If you want to match up a tight end with Matt Hasselbeck, I mean, he hasn't done a ton recently, but he does have a nice matchup this week. So it's, there's a decent chance there where he could he could find the end zone as well and he's also minimum price so that's he's at least had a few tar, uh catches each of the f- the few weeks uh four last week, three the week before, um three week yeah. So he's had 3-4 f- catches a week and if he could get into the end zone with one of those or even up it a little bit more with the fact that he's got a nice matchup, that could be worthwhile. Uh there's not like you said, there's not a ton of great guys at the top, but well there's a few at the top that are decent. But there's not a lot of great guys all around. There's not a great ton of great matchups. So if you're looking for a few guys, I mean, I feel like those couple guys at bottom barrel, if you're looking for something, might be a good option or going towards the top price range are your best options this week, I think.
1: All right, that'll do it for our value plays this week. Chris, one final question that I'll leave you with. Predict the score for the Cowboys at Packers. I'm going to go with... 12. I guess that's not a question. That was more of a statement. But regardless, <laughs> please pick the score for the Cowboys versus Packers.
2: I will. Uh, I think I'll go with twenty four to fourteen Packers. Maybe twenty four ten Packers.
1: I Looking know. at the weather report right now, and it's supposed to be fifty six degrees at Lambeau Field on Sunday. This is ridiculous. I mean, it was close to sixty earlier in the week here in Madison. I don't. I don't know what's going on.
2: Yeah, I mean, you'd think that would that should benefit Aaron Rodgers for sure. I mean, he's he's better in better weather. But I mean, not that cold weather has really affected him a ton. So, but yeah, I mean, I I feel like the Packers should be able. Cowboys are playing with uh Matt Castle at quarterback I don't uh if, if it was Romo I'd feel like the game would be a lot closer or at least somewhat closer um but I just feel like the Cowboys don't have enough going right now that even though the Packers have been struggling themselves feel like they'll get enough maybe a low scoring game might might not even get to 24
1: which might team can struggle the least I yeah. think in this one and yeah I'm gonna go with you I'm gonna say Green Bay I think Green Bay turns it around, you know, semi-turns it around offensively. I think they get over 30. I'm going to go Green Bay 31, Dallas 17.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.